All right, well, uh, welcome back to Prevo, uh, episode niner. Yeah, niner. Episode Prevo niner. niner. <laughs> Prevo. Little, little old school radio talk there. Prevo niner. Uh, so today we're going to uh, be hitting Hebrews 11 as we have been for the last uh, previous eight episodes. Uh, but this week we're going to hit verses niner and ten. Nine or ten. <laughs> uh, verses of, uh, nine and ten, and that, I'm going to read them, and then we'll let Larry do his thing because he's so good at that. So who are, are you? Oh yeah, I'm Richard. And I'm James. I'm Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Kyle. Don't listen to that. <laughs> Just because your nose is a little red, uh, and I'm Larry. Oh. So yeah, so we're, I mean, as you can tell, we're already having some fun. Uh, so we're, let's just let's just get rolling because my fifth cup of coffee. Kyle is he looks like he's cold over there. So verse nine says this: Healthy. And even when he Abraham reached the land God promised, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. And verse 10 says this, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Yes, James. So I think the first thing that, that I really take away from that is, you know, living by faith, there's, there's intentionality. And he was living in tents, you know, like living... Are you saying intentionality? That's what I... Is that not what it said? What did it say? He lives in tents like he's camping. Oh. <laughs> I thought you said he was living in tents. It helped like, if you read the Bible. Like was, <laughs> my phone's in my pocket, man. Intense. All right, so he's living in tents. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and of course the idea is that... Uh, Unlike settling in Haran, we talked about last week, unlike that, he's keeping a very loose uh, grip on uh, the place that he stays. He's a sojourner, the King James Version. He's a sojourner, so he's, he's in this place of movement because he's looking for something. And what's he looking for? He's looking for a, a city that has a, a foundation built by God. So... Richard, what's he looking for? <laughs> I like how the, the mirror translation translates verse 10 there. If I might interrupt. Uh, Please. His faith saw a city with permanent foundations. So his faith saw a city with permanent foundations designed and constructed by God. So his faith saw that. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's put. Yeah, and the, the verbiage here uh, reflects the scriptural description of heaven. So it appears that uh, Abraham, at this point in our story in Hebrews 11, Abraham is living a life of faith so much so that he's seeing way beyond not only the present reality, but the future coming of the city built by God. When you, when you talk about heaven, particularly in the book of Revelation, and the description of what it refers to there is the new Jerusalem, mm-hmm. uh, the city whose builder and maker is God. So he, in, a, in a very real sense, he wasn't looking for something man-made. He wasn't looking for a, a denomination to join. He wasn't looking for something that had a, 
a hierarchy and a structure created by man. He was looking for something that was based on truth, and that's what faith does. Faith looks for something whose foundation is truth, and that's uh, what he was looking unto. And it was the revelation that he had from God to move into uh, this search mode that nothing in this earth uh, would satisfy. It's, it's reflected even in Ephesians when it talks about we. I mean, uh, it's almost like a picture of the future body of Christ. He says uh, that we are no more strangers and foreigners, but we are now fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. Mm. So uh, we are, in a sense, like Abraham. And it's a delicate thing to be able to live among stuff and not be tainted by the grip of, the, of its possession on our possessions, you know, where, where those things begin to possess us. Like, uh, we just become stewards of our junk, you know. Abraham uh, was able to live um, free enough that he could... He could move like the children of Israel did. When, when the cloud would move or the pillar of fire would move, they'd break camp and follow it. And for Abraham, he didn't need those uh, physical signs in the atmosphere. He had a faith that made it possible for him to connect to God in the same way. And so he, he sojourned or he, he treaded lightly in the world because he was actually seeing the book of Revelation before it was ever even written. Well, and it makes me think about the, the mirror translation of verse 8 there. By faith, Abraham acknowledged the call of God. And it was talking about that word call in the Greek. Kaleo means yeah. to call or to identify by name. And it talks a lot in that mirror Bible about identifying by name and what that means. And, yeah. and you know, it, it's, it's like when Abraham got a whiff of what his true identity was in Christ, even though Christ has not come yet, but in, in God all of a sudden everything has changed, right? Yes. And so even more so for us in a new covenant mentality, right? When yes. we get a whiff of our new identity in Christ, all of a sudden it's not a big deal to pick up and move or it's not a big deal. Because we know who is inside of us, we know that peace himself, we contain, we're a container filled with peace himself, right? Uh -huh. And so wherever I go, I've got peace with me because Jesus is peace, right? Wherever I go, I've got joy in me because he is joy. I'm not looking outside of myself for peace and joy or whatever, fill in the blank. It's already inside me. He's already inside me. And so wherever I go, he tells me he'll never leave me nor forsake me. So man, you're, just, you're already home free before you get there, right. right? And so it's not about the outward journey necessarily anymore. It's about just... Um, trusting, having faith in who is inside of you and the living expression of that, the manifestation of that being uh, the yes and amen to what he's already done. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, and let's take the first part of that phrase is he dwelt in the land of promise. You know, we've, we've talked about he's looking for something else, mm -hmm. but where was he dwelling during that process? He was dwelling in the land of promise. Man, that speaks volumes to me. You know, a lot of times people will think, uh, if I can ever arrive at this place in my life, mm -hmm. if I can ever get this accomplished, 
then life's going to be better. Life's going to be easier. If, and then we, we switch that way of thinking over to the spiritual things, and we think, well, you know, if I could just fast enough, if I could just pray enough, if I could just be spiritual enough, when I obtain that, when I get to that level or that place or that location in my relationship with God, then everything's going to be easy for me from, from then on. But here's Abraham living, dwelling, living in the land of promise. That is, that which God had promised that he would lead him to. And from a place of promise, he's looking for the builder and the maker who is God. So he hasn't come to some place and said, finally, I've gotten here. You know, it's, it's over. It's good. I'm, I'm blessed. You know, all those promises, remember, he said, I will bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will make your name great. That's not where he was. He wasn't living in that. He was living in a posture of faith saying, man, I got to see the God who made this. And he was living in a posture of relationship, right? It wasn't just yes. a one and done kind of thing. It was an everyday relationship sort of thing, right? Friend of God, as he is called in James, like we talked about this morning. By faith. He by was, faith. He, yeah. That is by faith. So, you know, for, for us, you know, let's get it out of our mind that there's a perfect utopia, mm -hmm. you know, that, oh, if, if we just wandered into the right church. Oh, if we just had the right job. Oh, if we just had a better looking pastor. You know, <laughs> it, whatever those things are that we think, if, if we could get that, then everything else would take care of itself. Abraham's saying in a life of faith that those are never the goals. Mm -hmm. That you, you can be in the very thing you've desired to receive. And the fulfillment is a desire to see the one who made it. Yeah. Amen. Because we have already arrived. Yes. Because of, of Jesus. He is the end of all this, right? He's the end of our joy, our yes. pleasure, our peace. He is the object of all that. He's the object of our faith that we're talking about, right? And so anytime we get our eyes off of that, it, it can be easy to get diverted back to Ur or back to wherever. But as we see him, we understand that he is the answer. And it's so easy in our life sometimes to feel like, no, I, I got to find the answer in this, or I got to find, it's, I need to push a little bit harder in this. When you've already got the answer inside of you, because He's inside of you, it's just that we're not, we're not realizing that sometimes. We're not believing that He truly is my peace. I don't, well, I don't need my outside circumstances to right. line up in order to be at peace, right? Or, or it's that we're not satisfied with that. We choose to not find Jesus as our satisfaction for that. But I think if we're not satisfied with that, we're not truly apprehending Jesus. Yeah, that's, I agree. Yeah. I, that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. But I think that it's, it's more than just that, you know, that one perspective that you have. I think that there's also, you know, the choosing to be satisfied with it. Well, it's cultural. If I could just get the next job or if I could just get the better this or the better looking pastor. I even think that's, I even think that's church culture. I mean, I really do. I mean, it's, we joke about it, but <clears throat> I think it's church cultural. Or if I could just get, if I could just find the better church, if I could just walk through those doors, if I could find that better job, then it would all be better. Mm -hmm. We're so, I mean, it's crazy that even 2,000 plus years later, we're still countercultural. You know, I've said this on, on the podcast before, but there comes a place, I think, where our faith is concerned, where we are allowing God to direct our path, where we have to choose to trust in the outcomes that that path brings us to. 
and and trust that no, I haven't missed it. No, I you know I'm not too far gone or or this or that. And I think that what you're ta- talking about there, Kyle, with recognizing that Jesus is that joy for us, if we grab hold of that and and allow that to really be like the driving force in in our sojourning, you know, I think that we're gonna be able to reconcile and overcome so many different obstacles along that path, like you're saying with it, you know, diverging from it. So. Yeah. Well, I like how Hebrews 11 goes on to talk about that not only was he dwelling in the land of promise, he was treating it as though he was in a foreign land. You know, if you think about going to a foreign land, everything is pretty much different. Yeah. You know, there are some similarities, but the language is usually different. The laws are usually different. The expectations, you know, that maybe you don't even know exist or there. You know, you can offend someone without even realizing it because you're not familiar with what's kosher or acceptable or protocol in their culture. It's different. The money is different. How the cost and prices of things are different. And here's Abraham. He's living in the land of promise, but treating it as though he were a foreigner in that place. And the thing about being in a foreign land is usually it means that you're not there permanent. You know, you're going to be there and then you're going to go back to where you came from. But he was a sojourner. He, he was living in the land of promise. The question is, you know, as Kyle brought up, is we're living in the land of promise. We're living in Christ. Yeah. We're, we're living in Christ and him crucified. So we've become the righteousness of God. And how are we treating that? Are, are we treating that as a, in a foreign uh, land, dwelling... Uh, in tents. I'm going to talk about those tents in a minute, but you were going to say something, James? Yeah, I was just going to... Oh, no, I dropped... I forgot it. I'm so okay. sorry, man. <laughs> well, the, the, next, the next thought is he's dwelling in tents. And it's interesting because it says, with Isaac and Jacob. Now, I can't see any place in the Bible where the three of those guys lived in the same tent. Um, so why does Hebrews 11 talk about those three guys? Now, Isaac probably lived with his father... Abraham in a tent, certainly, growing up. But I don't see that Jacob did. When, when Isaac uh, gives birth to Jacob, at this point, there is a household separation because of just the size, the magnitude of the blessing on the Lord. And so where does that, where does that connection come? Well, the connection is that they are living in the generational blessing of the heritage of Abraham. Mm that they're dwelling also in the same like-mindedness of their father and grandfather, Abraham. Did they know him? Absolutely. And they gleaned from him the ability to live in a land of promise without settling on a promise and believing that that was it, that they'd received everything that there was from God. I remembered what I was going to say, and I think it's connected here. And the question I was thinking was... Do you suspect that living in the land of promise was more than just a physical location thing, but also a mental state where he was, you know, just choosing to recognize, you know, who he is, who who God has positioned him to be, and then, you know, sort of that mindset of, of walking that out in this place? Oh, absolutely, I believe that. Uh, Because it made it possible for him, Abraham, to receive a promise. This is, I I guess, a disclaimer because this is a spoiler of verses yet to come. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Hebrews 11. 
but it made it possible for him to receive the promise of a son, Isaac, mm. and then take the boy to the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice. Th that was a sojourner. He, he had the mindset that uh, God was able to raise him from the dead, is this insight that comes from Hebrews 11. So he, he, he lived so, so detached from that which was temporal and so attached to that which was eternal that he didn't even have an issue to take that which God had promised to bless him through the seed of Isaac and put it on the altar. And I think did so with his eyes open, knowing he was going to see the resurrection from the dead. Because <laughs> he knew the seed, the promised seed came through Isaac. He had that word from the Lord. Uh, wow, can we live so detached from what everyone else deems as reality? Oh, man. Uh, not to the point that we're weird, but to the to the edge of our faith, walking by faith, that we're no longer dictated by the things that surround us, but rather we are more attached as a sojourner to the God who has created the foundations of the heavens, which we are still looking towards. I love how you put that, that we are more attached to, the, to God himself, right? Mm -hmm. That Again, that concept of we are attached. He, yes. we're more than attached, right? We are living inside of one another. Yes. And can't be undone, right? And and the more we have a realization of that, the more we meditate on that and let that be our reality. It is reality, but the more we have faith in that, the more it manifests as reality in this lifetime, right? Um, yeah. And just to bring about the principles. I mean, it was his relationship with Isaac and Jacob because of this revelation and the action he took yes. and then those relationships that opened up their receptivity to carry on with the faith. That and you can look up and down the ladder. You know, who, who in your life has helped you to be a sojourner by faith. You know, who can you look up the ladder to in a previous generation whose faith influenced you? I have several. I'm sure you all do as well. And then you can look down the ladder. Who's following behind me that I'm going to be the person that they look at and reference as the sojourner of faith? You know, and that's that whole connectivity thing. It's multi-generational. And Abraham affected not only his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob, but the generations of Israel who called Abraham their father. Uh, so in us... Uh, the hope of glory, the Bible talks about. That's that connectivity part that's leading us even to a future that some others may not even be able to see. And we can only see it by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Abraham so captured that that the things which were seen did not distract his attention. Wow. You know, and I keep wondering... In his relationship with God, what it must have been that, that pinged the attention to a, a, a kingdom built by God. Like, wonder what that was. What was that moment where he looked at, I don't know, some kind of man-made structure and thought, you know, man, I really want to see what you would create. Mm -hmm. I would love to, 
have the details on that. Do you have any kind of download on that? Well, I think it came out of the promises that God gave to him. Um, as you read through Genesis, which I hope everyone's doing with the scriptures that we handed out at the center through the app, the Version app. Uh, if you haven't done that, just do a search for um, the plan called the life of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And it gives you every scripture references in the Old Testament and New that reflect Abraham in the story. So if you read through all of those, you're going to get a good picture puzzle of his entire life. I, and I think part of it came out of the promises that God gave to him, you know, about his seed being as the stars of the heaven. You know, we read that and we think, oh, well, that's all just, um, uh, what do you say, like comparison uh, metaphor type a me thing. A meta yeah. If we knew an Thanks, English Kyle. professor. Man, yeah. Thank you, Kyle. A metaphor that, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just a language picture. I don't think that that was the language picture for Abraham. I think every night, if you think about it, he didn't live in a city that had street lamps and red lights and, you know, street lights and buildings lit up. He lived in a tent. And I've been out in the tent in the middle of nowhere where it looks like the entire sky is alive at night with stars. And I think he would go out at night and he would count those stars. He would just look up to the heavens and, and just be amazed at the God who created them yeah. and then made a promise for him that his seed would be as the stars of the heaven. So I think that there was the ability by faith for him to connect not just the promise of God, but connect with the promiser, the one who made the promise. And so everything that he saw then became a testimony of what God had said would take place in his life. So he could go down to the beach, you know, the sands of the, of the seashore, and others are down there getting a tan or surfing. He's down there with his toes dug in the sand thinking, these are my grandchildren. Yeah. You know, the, the, the God's promise upon me is so strong because I believe the one who has made the promise that even this can testify to me. Remember, faith is evidential. It gives testimony to that which is true, and it's admissible in court. And so the stars testified to Abraham. The sand testified to Abraham. These were connecting points to the promise. And so he began to get his eyes above the promise and look for the promiser, the city whose foundation and builder is God. And to pass that on, like just to pass that on, I mean, that, to, to, to Isaac and Jacob, you know, and, and, and to be so clear in that, you know, I don't know. I mean, they, they wouldn't have understood the journey to get to the promised land, but it was important for him to pass that on, obviously verbally, because, you know, Passing I don't know. promise you mean. No, well, passing on the knowledge of it. Oh. You know, how, how easy could he have gotten discouraged? Oh, man. You know, and then been like, well, I'm not, I've already sounded crazy. I don't want to do this again. You know, like, I don't want to pass on something to my kids that isn't true. I wonder if, and I don't know at what point he got the promise about the stars and the sand, but I wonder if when his dad settled in Heron, and they were worshiping the moon, you know, one night he's up there looking. And I, I could imagine God being like, man, you know, and like contrast the, that moon worship with, you know, this 
truth, this promise over him. Like, mm -hmm. I'm making your descendants outnumber all the stars. And he would have grown up looking to the moon because yeah, that's constantly. where they worship. So that's, God's like, I'm going to show you something even further and even bigger. Yeah. Right. That's, that's where I'm at. <clears throat> yeah. I wonder if yeah. it was probably within that context that, or if that's not the case and the prayer was, or that promise was something spoken to him much earlier when he arrived in Haran and saw these people worshiping just that single thing, you know, it would have been the constant reminder because they would have done these, like you said, they yeah. would have done these ceremonies or worship. And God spoke to him in his context yeah, or of understanding. Context, knowing where he was going to be. Right. Well, I mean, he would have had the context of the, to look up to the sky. Yeah. And so God's saying, you know, the stars. And so, oh, I've been focusing on the moon, which in reality is the stars. And the Lord says to him, look a little higher. Yeah. yeah. See a little deeper. Ah. Stare a little longer. Mm -hmm. You know, and let these things give testimony to your faith, evidence that the God who makes a promise keeps it. 